Popculture Pastor. All right, so uh, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Um, we we got to talk about this movie coming out on Pure Flix. Oh snap! Yeah, yeah. I, I Do you guess. have pure, pure? Who has Pure Flix? Again, not I. <laughs> pure Flix is. Um, how would you describe this? Is it like HBO for Christians? What um, the I Hallmark would, Channel for Christians, or is that already for Christians? That's already for Christians. Oh, okay. I, I I would describe it as the Christian Netflix. Okay, Christian Netflix. Um, they have a new movie coming out called The Greatest Inheritance. The tagline on the poster says, "You can't take it with you." Oh snap! <laughs> oh, oh wow! Pure flick. Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! It's important to say who's in the movie, though. Okay. Best known for his childhood role as Steve Urkel, Jaleel, the classic '90s sitcom Family Matters. Jaleel White. We got Jaleel. <laughs> when did we get Jaleel White? I don't know, but I'm naming it and claiming it. Oh, of course you are. We've got Urkel. Can we- Stefan Urkel. Does he not like to be called Urkel? Because I think at one time he didn't like that. So maybe as Christians, we shouldn't refer to him Urkel, but like that's kind of his claim to fame. So I want to be like, we got Urkel. I'm going to claim we have Stefan Urkel. <laughs> so then he feels better. This article says that Jaleel White remains a gifted and underrated comic actor. I have said that for years. Sure you have. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, it's co-starring Mina Suvari. Do you know who Mina Suvari is? She was in American Pie movies oh. and um, American Beauty. She was in all the Americans. Oh, okay. I know yeah. who we're talking about. Yeah, now. She's like short blonde. Yeah. Was like a big deal for a while. And then kind of, I think she left like acting to maybe, you know, to have a family. And now she's back. It's, we have Mina Savari. Look at us. Like We just have all these bigger name actors coming to Christian stuff now. Um, what What is Kurt Cameron going to do? I mean, we're nosing him out. <laughs> him and Sorbo can take a hike. We're, yeah, him and Sorbo, we're kind of edging them out with like, you know, more talented people like Steve Urkel. I'm going to say at this point, Kurt Cameron's sister is a bigger deal than he is. And we have her, so yeah, Candace Cameron, Candace, yeah, she probably is a beret. Yeah, Kirk's more of a you know nationalist Christian big deal now. He does his like campfire chats with the American flag and stuff, as one does. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> so, Cody, this movie um, coming out on Pure Flix called "The Greatest Inheritance," starring Jaleel White, uh, Family Matters, Steve Urkel. That's that's who he was best known for. Mina Savari, it says this, the movie follows four estranged siblings as they embark on the scavenger hunt to find to a find of a lifetime, their mother's will, which is hidden somewhere in her property. This sounds crazy. Who does a scavenger hunt for a will? Oh, that's great. <laughs> you have given me an idea, Pure Flix. The person who finds the will inherits the estate. Now, that's just insane. Who does that? Um... Someone who's mentally torturing their children in death. It is the pearl of great value. <laughs> <laughs> Through many twists and turns, plus their mom's unexpected special rules, they are reminded of the hope that guided their mother's life. 
and what their greatest inheritance really is. Jaleel White plays Mr. Shepard, the catalyst for their quest. And uh, the writer, producer, Alexandra Boylan says the greatest inheritance is a film that everyone needs to see. Um, that sounds like a special episode of the of family members, an episode you and your family cannot afford to miss. Yeah. Remember those? Um, I, I mean, literally I'm really hoping it just leads to a Bible and that's <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, look, all right. It's an intriguing plot. And if it's played for comedy plus the encouraging message, um, I, I might be, I might be down to watch this. Does someone have a Pure Flix account I can borrow? <laughs> Dude, I, yeah, where do you even get that? Like, do you have to, like, is there an app? I assume there's an app. Um, maybe they have that thing that Amazon has where you can do the watch party. Yeah. We should check that out, this movie out, and then review it here on the radio, on the, on the morning show. Like the first two films in this, I guess this is executive produced by Bishop T.D. Jakes. Oh, snap. And uh, uh, several other people who probably are names I should know, but I don't. T.D.'s a name that everyone knows. Yeah. So here you go. Some Christian entertainment starring Urkel and the girl from the American Beauty movie. Yeah. Like, did she get nominated for an Academy Award for that role? Um. I, I think everyone got nominated in that role or in, in that, that movie. movie. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, anyways, I might check this out. It'd be good to see Steve Urkel again, like a long lost friend <laughs> who's, who's you know, grown up and is not actually that guy. Did he do that? All right, welcome back. Uh, Cody, we need to talk about something okay. that is Star Trek related. This is amazing. Live long and prosper. Were you aware that Bill Shatner, William Shatner, went to space? Like, for realsies? I knew he was supposed to. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he went with uh, space or SpaceX, right? No, he went with Jeff Bezos' thing. Yeah. The Blue Origin space shuttle. And he did it on October 13th, 2021. American Canadian hero, Billy Shatner. <laughs> uh, I, uh, if we're not going to call him Captain Kirk, I'm leaving. <laughs> He's Captain Kirk. He always will be. He's a wonderful actor. Don't get me wrong. Um, he is the face of Michael Myers. That's true. That's true. You know, he didn't even know that. Anyways, that's a side note. He found <laughs> out later, like recently, and, and enjoyed it because William Shatner is a delightful person. Yes. But I want to talk about this. He actually went into space, and this is going to be really interesting. He doesn't have the reaction that he thought he was going to have. And boy, this is deep, deep stuff here and thoughtful things. And I just want to talk about it with you because I know that you'll probably be in the same place I am with it where I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, that does make sense, doesn't it? The world isn't flat. Well, no. Uh, sorry, flat earthers. <laughs> he does. He actually mentions the curvature of the earth in, in what he's about to say. But I want to get into this. I want to talk about William Shatner. I want to talk about him going to space. And in particular, I want to talk about his expectations versus the reality and the feelings he had once he was out there. 
Because I think, um, Cody, if I asked you, what do you think you would feel like in space? Like, what do you think that feeling would be like? Oh. I think most people would describe it as a freeing thing. Mm-hmm. I am free to explore the cosmos. And there would be something about that that would be, we think would be immensely freeing, but that is not the reaction that William Shatner, 90-year-old William Shatner had. Because, like, in my mind, I would be weightless, but, like, not only physically, but metaphorically. Like, all those right. burdens are off me. I'm out in the great unknown. Leaving those chains on Earth. Yes. Well, not necessarily. Or you can use the metaphor of the chains saying maybe you were designed for those chains and it doesn't feel right to be removed from them. Ooh. Which I think Jesus said some things like that. This is what we call a tease. This is a tease. So we're talking about William Shatner. And um, he's got a book coming out. They printed an exclusive expert, excerpt, expert, excerpt from his new book, William Shatner's new book, Boldly Go, Reflections on a Life of Awe and Wonder. That's a good title. First of all, can we just stop right there and say how healthy of it is for, of a mindset to be a human being who wants to be awed and be in a sense of wonder? Mm. This is probably why Bill Shatner is a good guy. Billy Shatner. Yeah. So uh, anyways, it's from his forthcoming book. He, in this excerpt, talks a little bit about going into space on Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin Space Shuttle on October 13th, 2021. He describes a lot of the lead up being 90 years old. That's kind of old to go into space. <laughs> he describes like people around him saying, you know, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It's all OK. Uh, how easy it is for people like that that aren't going into space to say that to people who are. He talks about the preparation and, and just kind of being scared, you know, mm -hmm. like he, he, he says at one point they show him a safe room in case there's an explosion. And he's like, well, at least they thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> he said how he couldn't stop thinking about the Hindenburg on the day of the, the launch. <laughs> but then he finally gets around to the launch and um, he talks about the gravitational forces, the G's. <laughs> He said there was an instrument that told him how many G's they were experiencing as they were rising through the air. And he said, at two G's, I tried to raise my arm and I could barely do it. At three G's, I felt my face being pushed down into my seat. And I thought to myself, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Am I going to pass out? Will my face melt into a pile of mush? How many G's can my 90-year-old body handle? So all this is going through his mind. And then all of a sudden, relief. No G's. Zero, that weightlessness that you said something about mm -hmm. is was what he was feeling. And all of a sudden he's floating. And I think as you're reading that and listening to someone describe that, you're thinking, oh, that's that's got to be real freedom. Although in the movies, you really don't have a lot of control. No, no. Peeing becomes a lot harder. <laughs> it does. I don't know why that was the first thought in my mind. Uh, but... He's, he's describing this idea and how he was scrambling to get out of his harness and how they're floating around. And the, he said, he describes how the younger folks with him all went into like the somersault and enjoying the effects of weightlessness. But he wanted to get to a window. See, he had this expectation of what his feelings were going to be. And he uh, looked down at Earth and he could see like the hole in the uh, atmosphere that the spaceship had punched through. Like he could still see the remnants of the hole in the oxygen layer. 
that the ship had come true and there was a wake trailing behind where they'd just been. He said he turns his head in the other direction to stare into space. He said he's always loved the mystery of the universe. Because of course he has. He's Captain Kirk. He is. And he's thinking about stars exploding years ago. Their light traveling to us years later. Black holes. He's talking. He's thinking galaxies and all of these things. And he said when he looked in the opposite direction out into space, do you know what he felt? Do you know what he saw? Nothing. He said there was no mystery, no majestic awe to behold. All I saw was death. Cold, dark, black emptiness. Ew. Oh, my goodness. What he is about to say, if you're a believer and you believe there's a certain fundamental um, existence in place, what he's about to say is going to make all the sense in the world to you. You're going to listen to him and go, yeah, William. Yeah, Captain Kirk. That's it. You're all over it. And when we come back, I'll share it with you. So William Shatner, Captain Kirk goes out into space for real as a 90-year-old on Jeff Bezos' ship. He describes the, the stress on the body of actually getting to space where he thought it was never going to end and that his 90-year-old body wasn't going to hold up. He describes the feeling when it all stopped. And mm. it, he described it as relief, weightlessness, and he's excited to look out the window. He looks back at the earth, and then he looks the other direction cold, dark, black emptiness. I'm going to read directly what he says here. It was unlike any blackness you can see or feel on earth. It was deep, enveloping, all encompassing. I turned back toward the light of home. I could see the curvature of earth, the beige of the desert, the white of the clouds and the blue of the sky. It was life, nurturing, sustaining life. Mother earth, he says, and I was leaving her. Everything I had ever thought was wrong. Everything I had expected to see was wrong. I had thought that going into space would be the ultimate catharsis of that connection I had been looking for between all living things. That being up there would be the next beautiful step to understanding the harmony of the universe. In the film Contact, when Jodie Foster's character goes to space and looks out into the heavens, she lets out an astonished whisper. They should have sent a poet. I had a different experience because I discovered that the beauty isn't out there. It's down here with all of us. Leaving that behind made my connection to our tiny planet even more profound. It was among the strongest feelings of grief I had ever encountered. Okay, yeah, that, that's like the exact opposite of what I was expecting him to say. Yeah, it's the exact opposite of the way we think we'd feel if we got to go to space. But understand, and this is not an abnormal feeling. It's called the overview effect, and it's not uncommon among astronauts. Yuri Gagarin, Michael Collins, many others. Essentially, when someone travels to space and views Earth from orbit, orbit a sense of the planet's fragility takes hold. Mm. Now, I'm going to change the wording because I don't think that was the, the article trying to describe to you from Variety, trying to describe to you that effect. And it leads... It leads, if you keep reading, it leads William Shatner to the same conclusion, the fragility of earth. He goes on like an environmentalist bent, mm -hmm. which by the way, as Christians, we are, we should not be uncaring about the environment. We have been maimed stewards of yeah. this world that God has given us and we should want to take care of it. Um, but that's not what I want to get into. Quit punching holes in our atmosphere. <laughs> 
gosh, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> but I would change that wording they used because mm. I believe while I think it makes sense that we would think of the fragility of the earth when we go into space and look back at it, because of course we're going to think of fragile because the earth balances on decimal points. It, it's perfect math. Creation is perfect math. The earth is, is a situation that is a perfect math on perfect math on perfect math on perfect math and a decimal point millimeters anywhere going awry would mean the end of life. It is perfection. And that looks fragile to us, but to God, it looks like perfect perfection. It's perfect design. So when we see that, of course, it scares us. And, and Bill Shatner doesn't even realize, yeah, this is the awe and wonder you've been looking for, Bill. Mm-hmm. I, so I would, I guess I'd classify Bill's feeling as surrealism. Um, and I also think that there is a huge thing when you go into, I guess, the vacuum of space and you leave everyone behind even though you have people with you i mean you're going from seven billion people to like five mm -hmm. and you're removing yourself from the connection you were born to have yeah and how surreal that would feel just knowing if something goes awry up here i'm dying by myself yeah yep <laughs> all these people down there won't even know mm. <laughs> And, and the, the crazy thing is, is these are the sort of observations that are leading a lot of scientists to come to conclusions like, you know what? We could be living in a simulation. We could be living in the matrix or uh, a creation of someone else's design, right? Which is crazy when they see that because they see they're going off the, the data that they're being fed, which is this is too perfect. It has to be designed. That's the, that's the conclusion they're left with. And then we're like, yeah. That's it. You're all over it. We are living in someone else's creation. Our reality that we think is reality is a preconceived set up reality that we're just reacting to in real time. Mm. It's amazing that humans, um, we don't have to have all the knowledge to stumble upon the real reality of that we live in. Yeah. And it's just, it's stunning and amazing to me that even in this awe and wonder we can have, even when we can do these amazing things that humans have taught themselves how to do, like go to the cold death of space and look back upon the earth, we get these feelings. We wouldn't label them as religious. They're not religious feelings, but they always point to a faith feeling. Like, yeah, you're being led to the only reality that there ever was. And, like, the feeling that, A, you're super small and that there's something bigger and grander than you out there. And, I, and then I get, like, if there's people who are non-believers who are listening to this, how that can be a scary thought. It can be a scary feeling. Well, then that's when I would invite you to read the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Forget about the rest of the Bible for now. I know if you're a non-believer, the Bible is scary. You think it's like mind control or you think it's a political tool, which, you know, hey, some humans use it as such. And that's not great. But I promise you, you read the Gospels and you see uh, who Jesus is. 
like this will be a different experience for you. And then you, you put it into place with these feelings like William Shatner describes when he went to space and you start to understand things a little better. You understand that there is this fixed reality that we live in. You understand that this reality almost has to be designed, that this couldn't, that nothing about our universe is random. Like this is the part I don't understand is how people can come to the conclusion of randomosity because science doesn't even come to that conclusion. Yeah. There, there's just so much that, I mean, I don't know how you can land much further outside of either a faith-based perspective or the we're in a simulation yeah. if you're not labeling it faith. Take it from Captain Kirk. Life resides here. Life. And, he, and, and what he said was right, what he observed. Beautiful life. Giving life. Do you know what beautiful life that is given is? That's love. Mm. We, we know that as humans. That when we love out of our love comes life. This is what we intrinsically believe. Captain Kirk is right because he's always right. He's Captain Kirk. I mean, most of the time he's right. <laughs> he boldly saw what many people have seen before him, that God is real. Cody, did you know today is National Read-A-Book Day? Um, I did not know that, but it would have been helpful if they had promoted that holiday when I was a kid. Yeah. Because, like, I have this class project that I have to do, like, an analysis over a book character. Mm -hmm. And I asked my wife for suggestions of which characters to do. And so she just starts listing off a bunch of books. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, haven't seen that. Never heard of that. I haven't seen it. I haven't <laughs> seen the movie based on that book. Sorry, I can't do that one. Um, I, I watched the movie based on that one. Um, and I, I just keep going off on a tangent about, nope, haven't read it. Nope, haven't seen it. Nope. So what you're saying is you're not really a book reader. Um, Like, I have read some books, but compared to my wife, it was atrociously small amount yeah. of, of, of books. Like, look, I can remember in high school, I'm, you you assigned me to read Of Mice and Men, and I'm watching the movie. Um, <laughs> I'm not reading that book. I will say the movie did a good job almost verbatim, line by line, of what the characters say in the book. So Yeah, it served me pretty well, that one. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good book slash good. Great movie. Give but, me more John Malkovich and Gary Sinise. Uh, but some of them, they're not doing the trick. Like, apparently, you know, you couldn't watch Demi Moore's The Scarlet Letter and, need, oh, and yeah. need to take a test on Nathaniel Hawthorne's Scarlet Letter. That didn't work out too well. No. You, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I have an affinity for reading. But I notice it's like my I'm very select in what I want to read. And I actually enjoy like nonfiction. Um, that I'm, was my issue because I'm like, I've read a ton of biographies. I've read a ton of nonfiction mm -hmm. works. But yeah, no, not not the fiction. I'm, I'm limited. Yeah. And that's that seems to be my problem as well. So, Cody, what would you say is your favorite nonfiction book you've ever read? While we're talking about it, because uh, I was going to ask you about fiction, but let's do nonfiction first for this holiday. What is National Read a Book Day? 
National Read a Book. Which, day. first of all, are there people that read a book in a day? Oh, yeah. No, my wife has read like big, legit chapter books in a day. God bless them. Um, I'm too ADD for that. I can't do that. And sometimes she, I want to say she's read a couple books in like an evening of just being, getting off work and then being like, you know what? I'm going to read. And then boom, she just reads the whole thing. That's amazing. Good for her. I, I do envy people like that. I don't know how she does it. Slash, I get too distracted by video games. <laughs> <laughs> I get too distracted by my phone. <laughs> um, okay, so, so what, what's like, your favorite nonfiction book you've ever read? I mean, as a pastor, I have to go with the Bible. Well, come on, not but, normal uh, rules apply. You can't. The answer can't be the Bible. Any other book. The obviously, Bible. Obviously, we've committed our lives to ministry and thus we love reading the bible that's the answer to the desert island question right you stranded on the desert island what one book you could keep one book with you of course our book's going to be the bible but in this pretend that i'm asking the question it can't be the bible what book are you taking Nonfiction. um so i mean there were several craig rochelle books that i really enjoyed mm-hmm. again i'm getting into the pastoral side of me no that's okay but, that, um, that, that counts so divine direction i thought was really good and um hope in the dark by craig rochelle mm-hmm. were really good um i did enjoy uh what was the name of? Because I would I would bring up a book that's sort of ministry related. I would say Love Does by Bob Goff. Yeah. I really enjoyed that book. Um, and then there is a documentary about Oswald Chambers, uh, the guy that wrote My Utmost for His Highest, mm-hmm. that devotion. There's a good documentary about his life. And yeah, you're getting back into TV stuff again. That documentary is... Moving pictures. Yeah, well, <laughs> a nonfiction biography. There you go. Okay. I, I do prefer the TV. So um, My favorite nonfiction book of all time would be a biography. Uh, it's called The United States of America versus Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali's Greatest Fight. I and feel they made a documentary about that. Did well, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they did. There's probably been several, but this specifically uh, focuses on the civil rights movement and um, the the case of Muhammad Ali not wanting to go to Vietnam and all the, everything entailed in that. And it was it's just so good. It really takes a deep dive into like how that mingled with the civil rights movement. How Muhammad Ali uh, he wasn't really that wasn't really his intent. He just really was trying to adhere to what his religious beliefs at the time were, which is that he was a pacifist, which sounds weird because he got paid to beat people up. Passing a fist. (laughs) But he, he, you know, obviously drew a line on taking life um, and was and felt very seriously about it. And that was his whole intent was I'm not going to cross that line. And so um, but the civil rights movement. It sort of engulfed him, and and he, he became a very important figure in it. He did. And so um, it's just a great book, and it accounts all that really well. I like nonfiction books, especially historical, just like kind of report to me what's going on in the context. I don't really want it to lean a certain way. Like it, the book doesn't go out of its way to make the government look bad or to make him look good. So does it talk about his relationship with 
Malcolm. Oh yeah. 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 It's all in there. Um, and there's a lot of like eyewitness, uh, you know, people that were close to him giving information like Harry Belafonte, which I would I didn't, wasn't knowledgeable enough to know that he was a big guy in the civil rights movement, but he, they mm-hmm. get him to say a lot of things in this book. It, anyways, it's just a good book. You should look it up. Um, also another one that I enjoyed was Jim Morrison, life, death, legend. It was a good biography. The doors. Yes. Yeah. That's probably sad though. Isn't it? Uh, it ends with death. Yeah. Doesn't it always. So this is probably an easier question. What's your favorite fiction book or books you've ever read? <sighs> okay. So. I'm going to have to ask a question because Leah, when we were going through this, uh, finding a fictional character to do a case study on, I asked her if she thought I could do graphic novels. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, Cody, those aren't real books. <laughs> How dare her? <laughs> that cut deep. It did. Too deep to be. I read The Watchmen at KU. Exactly. Yeah. She's She's not living in the now. She isn't. <laughs> so I will say the book series that got me into reading more. Left Behind. No. <laughs> no. No. Um, it was Harry Potter. The complete oh, okay. opposite direction. So, you know, no. I, I think a lot of people. So my oldest daughter loves to read. She'll just sit down and read books. And um, she started with Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And I'll be forever thankful for that because it's not like I think she likes Harry Potter and she's reread the whole series, I think. But it's not like she's a super fan. She doesn't like there's not Harry Potter stuff all over her room or anything. Yeah, I enjoy Harry Potter, but I'm not going out of my way yeah. for Harry Potter. Right. And so I really appreciate that story in really implanting this this love for reading in my daughter. I'll I'll, I'll be thankful and grateful for that. So, yeah, and I've heard that from a lot of people. Which, so, by the time they start making the movies, I have read the first five books. Mm -hmm. So, then I'm not like, well, I'm going to wait it out. (laughs) Yeah, and it's this generation's really, it's their version of what I'm about to say. So, I'm in ninth grade, and I'm not much of a book reader. I'm a comic book reader. I grew up collecting comics, and comics were my escape. Because, you know, reality often was disappointing. And Spoilers. So, and so I loved Marvel Comics in particular, and I just read and read and read. And then in ninth grade, I had to, you, you can go a while without re- actually reading a book, even their ways, you know, by watching movies or stuff. And I'd read a couple books in middle school. We read Animal Farm by George Orwell, which I liked. I dug that. I'd read Watership Down. Uh, I don't know why all my books I read had animals acting like talking and stuff like that, but maybe that was just stuff I liked. Um, and then in ninth grade, I walk in the library, I get to pick my own book and I was like, okay, I don't know anything. I don't know that much about books. What do you think a guy like, like I love comic books, librarian, I'm in your hands, give me a book. And she puts into my hands, the fellowship of the ring. That was the second book series I've read. And from the moment, I cracked that book open. I was just gone. I was in that world. I have never read books so fast that I did the Lord of the Rings series. And I think I cried when it was over. And then I found out there was the Hobbit, which I could read the prequel, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But man, 
uh, I, I was totally, those books, I was totally just like escaped into that world. And now you can watch The Ring of Power. I am. And we'll talk about that someday on the podcast, I think, maybe. Because I've liked it. It's, it's again, when it's about the escape into this world, I've just enjoyed the visuals. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're taping that series in New Zealand, like where Peter Jackson filmed, but it looks and feels like Middle Earth, and I've just enjoyed every second of it. Um, yeah, I loved the Lord of the Rings series. That was a, a great one to read. And now it, it works. And now that I'm a pastor, it means even more to me because I can go back and reread and I can see Tolkien's faith playing out through the story. It's much more subtle than his friend C.S. Lewis's Narnia books. Yes. Which are kind of right out there. Um, but it, it, it's more subtle in the Lord of the Rings, uh, but still very relevant and good. Um, the Screw Tape Letters. That was a good one by C.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also enjoyed a book I read recently that I'm going to classify as a real book. Um, and the book I chose for my project, it's a Stephen King book called revival. Mm-hmm. It's about a minister. Um, I'm who, betting he's not on the up and up. He's no, Stephen King. Um, is he bad? Well, he starts off good. Uh. <laughs> um, tragedy strikes his wife and kid pass away. Oh, and this sounds like a downer. Then his, like, so it really technically follows this family that goes to the church that the pastor's at, but the pastor plays a role throughout this guy's life from being a little kid up through, like, 50s and 60s. It's interesting. Yeah. You know what's weird is um, another one of my favorite books, like, probably my second favorite fiction book would be a Stephen King book. And people think of Stephen King, they think of, like, hardcore horror uh, but my favorite, my second favorite fiction book and is his book, and it's one called The Stand, which is actually about a pandemic and about the forces of good and evil. And it's about as, as close to religious as you'll see Stephen get. Yeah, and I'll say that uh, it might be a more accurate depiction of Revelation than um, mm. Left Behind. Yeah. I'll say it. I'm naming it and claiming it. Don't watch the TVs made made from that. Just read the book. I evidently need to read. Yeah, yeah, you need to read the stand. So good. So yesterday was Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day, depending on what side of the political aisle you're on, which is the only way I can describe that. I call it a federal holiday. I call it the worst day of the year. Legitimately, Cody, it's my least favorite day of the year i just can't stand it it's so we we have such a biased view of history we view history whichever way serves us in the moment the best and it's just horrible i just don't like it i don't like that day because i know people are going to argue all day with terrible arguments by the way like they're just always the worst historically inaccurate arguments all the way around i'm talking like conservative and liberal it's just like We don't want to even, you know, introduce the idea that humans are complex. And it's just really obnoxious to me. Yeah. You study history long enough and this whole idea of good guys and bad guys. Like the fact that we haven't come around to the idea that this just doesn't work when discussing humanity is is laughable. 
you have the history we were taught when we were growing up where the U.S., we're the good guys all the time. And sometimes we're the good guys. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes it's nuanced. Sometimes, like, there's greed in every situation. Humanity has greed. But then, you know, we figure out that the history we were learning wasn't great. And we go to the completely other side where it was all hate-based. Everything was hate-based in the, the, you know, the forming of this country. And we just came over here and uh, oppressed the poor indigenous peoples who were obviously just living in a utopia who never killed each other or did anything like, you know, sacrifices or things like that. <laughs> yeah. I just don't like it, it's very upsetting to me to not just look at human humanity as humanity in order to win a political argument. Like they only care in that they want their name of the holiday to be the one that sticks, I guess. Yeah. For me, I don't want it called Columbus Day, but that's just because he actually didn't land in this country and uh, like a thousand other people made it here before he Mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. But that's just because uh, I I don't think that uh, he did much. Now, to to be to be clear, I'm way more okay with indigenous uh, holidays celebrating indigenous peoples mm-hmm. than Columbus. Not because Columbus was some kind of terrible monster, but just because he was a dude who didn't even do anything. In fact, didn't do anything he thought he had done. I don't know. The holiday, just in general, makes me like ugh. It's I always I always remind myself. I always forget to remind myself to stay off social media yesterday but then i always forget i'm always trolling around on social media and i run into it i'm like i need to set a reminder man (laughs) it happens just brutal hey everybody it's dave thank you for listening to our radio leftovers podcast everything you just heard is from our morning radio show on kfx 93.1 You can hear us every morning between 8 a.m. and noon. Those are Central Standard Times on www.kfex931.com. If Christian music is your jam, go ahead and listen. You won't be disappointed. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Coming up this week, our Friday pod, the pod that drops on Friday, our main episodes, is going to be a Be Kind Rewind episode. So stay tuned for that. I'll let you know what uh, movie we're going to be rewinding to on our social media so you can react to that and have conversations and uh, whatever thank you so much for listening make sure and subscribe and give us reviews and ratings and share us all of that helps to get more people to listen and did for us to do bigger and better things thank you so much to you guys we love you guys to listen and we'll see you soon <laughs>